Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 321 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the CEO of Collis Holmes Innovations, an award-winning leader, international keynote speaker, consultant, and leadership coach. Her career has focused on facilitating the use of technology, and she believes that this requires true diversity in the future leadership of the tech industry. As founder of Women in High-Performance Computing, she developed and led innovations aiming to diversify the international supercomputing workforce. And in early 2019, she began to focus on her passion for broadening diversity and inclusion in the technology industry. She now offers leadership and executive coaching for women in tech, with a personal goal of assisting 2,000 women into the tech boardroom in the next five years. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Dr. Tony Collis. Thank you for having me here. I'm thrilled to be on this podcast with you. Well, I'm delighted that you could be here. Um, Tony, can you give us a bit of an insight into what you're doing now? So obviously, you're very much focusing on the leadership and executive coaching. Yeah, so I mean, I, I was a technologist myself up until just a few years ago. Um, and now I, I've i shifted my focus. I'm still passionate about technology. Um, I live and I breathe it through my clients, I suppose. And I'm actually, I'm married to a supercomputing consultant too. So I, I, speak, <laughs> right. about, I speak about it all day. Um, but I needed to have more of an impact. And I was very frustrated in my career as a professional supercomputing expert on the lack of women, hence, you know, you've just described that I was the founder and, and director of Women High Performance Computing. And I I just, that frustration and the damage it's doing, not just to technology, but actually to the human race by not giving full, full ownership of technology and its solutions to the entirety of the human race, it just, it just gets to me. So I also realized I was really good at coaching. I was an award-winning leader in my technology career, got all the way to the executive team by the age of 34. I was making waves. I was having a big impact in terms of my leadership. And part of that was, I am, I don't know why, but I'm a fairly good coach, just naturally. I, I seem to have that skill set. And I was mentoring women because I was, you know, we need to do something about this. And I realized the impact I was having. And I suddenly realized it was what lit me up more than the technology itself because I could have more of an impact if I could empower more people to do tech exceptionally well than I could ever make by myself. So that's yes why I do what I do today. And, and ultimately, my goal is to change the technology industry for the better, not just for the betterment of women, but for everybody. Because when we have diversity at the table, everybody benefits. We make better solutions. We have better teams. We have better team operation. One of the things I talk about a lot is how the problem with the tech industry as a whole and the way it operates has this very obvious effect of being exclusive and not including particular groups, be them women or other minorities. But actually, men are suffering as well. 
it's actually only good right now for a small subset of men. And what I really want to do is put people into the positions of leadership in the technology sector. That means we change the way it operates for the betterment of everybody involved. Right. Okay. So do, do you see yourself as an, an enabler of that process? Very, very much so. I'm, I'm here to show people a better way to do it, to enable them to shine, to grow, to step into their power, actually. Um, a lot of people have really great ideas, but they don't know how to go about getting heard, getting the influence, getting the traction. And really, I'm here to give give you the stool to stand on, right? <laughs> so that yeah. you can change the world. I know you have great ways to change the world. Let me help you do that. That's really what I'm here for. Right. Okay, good. Um, so we're going to go into the flow of the, the interview now. So Tony, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Something I live by, I actually struggle with this one because you, you said, you, you warned me ahead of time that I was going to be asked this question and, and said, you know, you know, try and think of something that people won't have thought of before. And I was like, well, there's all the standard ones, right? <laughs> Some of these are so, so important. I think the one I came up with, I'm, I'm thinking that most people haven't heard of, is if you're not growing, you're shrinking. Things like our comfort zone are, it's not a steady state. This really, really became so obvious to me during COVID. And I kind of knew this unconsciously before, but one of the things I've learned about myself and, and those around me during COVID is some of our comfort zones have decreased, right? We're, I am fully aware, right? I know not everybody on the podcast is like this, uh, listen to the podcast even, but I'm fully aware that as a natural introvert, I have been okay with not going out as much. I mean, I'm, I miss people, do not get me wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm basically fine with not going out. And now that we're able to go out more, I'm actually uncomfortable with going out more. My comfort zone has shrunk. And it really highlighted to me something I see in other people, which is it isn't that you have a comfort zone and it's a steady state. It's that if you're not constantly pushing at it, it's actually shrinking. And that applies to every aspect of our lives. If you're not challenging yourself, you aren't, it isn't that you're not growing, it's actually that you're condensing inwards, you're turning inwards in some way. And that is so limiting to our career progression. That That's interesting to hear. I mean, particularly, obviously, relating to COVID and the fact that a lot of us have been very much working from home and, and obviously that sort of social interaction has been typically through a screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In terms of actually meeting people, do, do you feel there's a there's a sort of most reticence now for some people? Oh, definitely. And I mean, I, I completely understand that. I've been working at home for far longer than, you know, COVID, although I used to fly all around the world a lot. And um, sorry, seeing people, but I would work from a home office. And I think there is a reticence to see people and not just because of COVID. For me, I would tell you it's a reluctance, you know, COVID rates, especially in the UK, they're still quite high. Yes, we're all vaccinated now, but well, actually not everybody. You know, I can I can try and tell myself it's about COVID, but actually, if I'm honest with myself, it's also because I'm a natural hermit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Being honest with yourself is, is, a, is a key thing here, right? Uh, but that applies to everything, right? Um, so at the beginning of lockdown, people were talking about, you know, Zoom fatigue being a very real thing. It is a real thing. I also know, I've, I've coached enough people through this to know that Zoom fatigue, it's like a muscle you strengthen. Like it, you get used to operating 
on video conferencing in the same way that if you now go back to work and have face-to-face meetings all day, you're going to get tired, right? And I think a lot of people who are complaining about Zoom fatigue haven't appreciated that you had a previous muscle that has been developed over your entire career of how to operate and not get exhausted by face-to-face meetings. And it, it, it's, it kind of all just goes hand in hand. We've got whatever it is, you have to build and strengthen and develop and maintain a muscle in whatever area. And as soon as you start maintaining it, it goes away. Yes, uh, very good. Very interesting point as well. Okay, Tony, can you share with us your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience? Oh, yeah. And I struggled to figure out what this one was too, um, because this is this is a hard one to share, right? Worst career moments, the ones that really help us grow are often the ones that are most uncomfortable for us. Yes. Um, but I realized at one point in my career that I, I wasn't achieving everything I knew I was capable of. Um, because I was drowning. I was drowning in to-dos. I was always saying yes to things. And there's a whole story there about being told <laughs> that I had to say yes to things. I was over-promising because I was a people pleaser. And so I said yes to everything. I said, yes, I'll get it to you on Friday. And I, some part of me knew that that wasn't realistic. So I was working crazy hours. I was under-delivering and delivering late. And it was hugely, hugely holding me back. Worse than that, for a while, I didn't recognize the impact. I thought I could get away with it because, you know, I'm fairly smart. I could I could get away with it for a while. I could also talk the talk and I could turn up to a meeting where somebody would ask me something that I hadn't prepared for and I could, I could talk my way out of it. You know, I had that ability. So for a longest time, I didn't realize how bad the impact was. I knew I wasn't coping, but I didn't recognize what that really meant. And I started to really doubt myself. I started to feel really stupid. Um, My imposter syndrome went sky high because I was like, I have to say yes to all this stuff. I can't do it. And I didn't realize that although like this started to happen because I was taking on more responsibilities because I was good at what I did. People were giving me more. I was taking on management responsibilities and I was really good at it. I was turning projects around. I kept being given more and more and more. What I didn't appreciate is I wasn't a full-time manager. I still had very technical responsibilities. And even actually when you become a full-time manager for the first time, you're going to still have technical challenges. No one told me I needed to make time for deep work. This is one of the things I talk about all the time with the people I work with. Every stage of your career, you need more time than you think you do for deep work, where you properly remove distractions. Your brain is going to be distracted. Your brain's going to be itching to go to Slack or email, but remove those distractions and allow yourself the ability to immerse yourself in the problem at hand. You can't do that in 20 minutes between meetings. You certainly can't do it in 30 minutes on a Friday afternoon but nobody's ever going to give you the time for it. I learned that the hard way. I was I was aware I wasn't performing well, but nobody was telling me what to do. Um, eventually, I learned I had to push back. Um, and this was so, so incredibly hard for me. I learned that I had to stop saying yes. And oh my, I had no support in, in doing that. I actually had the opposite. People told me I had to be saying yes. And I had to clear my calendar. And actually, ultimately, what I had to do is get myself out of that situation. I actually left the organization and moved somewhere else because I didn't know how to address it with my current colleagues. It was, I felt so stuck. Yeah. So you obviously built up that sort of working relationship and therefore they had an expectation 
mm-hmm. from what yeah. you could provide and, and presumably therefore yes it's very difficult to extract yourself yeah from that perception almost I suppose yeah it really is uh, and it, it can be so toxic and if you've ever had self-doubt you've ever had um, that you know angry inner voice second guessing everything it just gets amplified in this situation yeah uh, yeah so do you organize yourself differently now is, is that the way you approach it or is, yes. is there more to it absolutely I mean this has become even more essential running my own business because you know there's no one else <laughs> yeah. there's nobody telling me what I need to be doing or what the priorities are I have a team but the priorities are on me to figure that out so I am very careful for blocking out uh, deep work time. I'm because I work with an international audience. Actually, I do most of my coaching in the afternoons, which means my morning is my deep work time. I've I've done the tracking to understand that's my peak productivity and thinking time, um, and that's how I've organised my work. And I encourage everybody to do that. It's 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 horrific to do, but time track your productivity for a couple of weeks figure out where your brain is at its most productive and innovative and never ever take meetings during that time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's hard to tell your boss that, but um, it, that is your golden time for like when you are gonna do your your most amazing work. Don't take yes. meetings in that time. Exactly, good, okay. And Tony, can you maybe tell us about your career highlight to date? Yeah, I think it was probably being offered my first C-suite executive role at the age of 34. Uh, A lot went into that, a lot of grit, determination, a lot of false starts, not knowing what I was doing. You know, I've just told you my biggest false start. Um, But ultimately, it came from knowing I had the confidence to do something extraordinary. I, I, I fundamentally believe I was put on this planet to do something great. I, I try and do that every single day. And I, I just lent into that. I knew I had ideas. I knew I had experience. Um, and actually, the thing that really got me to that position was my work in building women in high performance computing. Obviously, that taught me an awful lot about leadership and management and the skills I needed to be an executive because I was operating as an executive, even though it wasn't my day job. But the other thing I had to do in order to build a successful nonprofit was get comfortable talking to executives, getting comfortable influencing them, sharing with them how I was going to benefit them if they decided to support the work of this organization I created. And so I had built my credibility. I also had to build my technical credibility because these people don't invite you in the room as a nonprofit unless you have both the technical and the nonprofit credibility. But it had been some the conversations were never about me. They were about this movement that I was trying to create. So I got out of my own head because it was far more important to worry about this movement I was creating than to worry about me and my career. And then when I realized I needed to do something different in my career, I was like, okay, I have this skill to talk to these people. I'm just going to translate that into talking about myself. And actually what I did was not just talk about myself, but talk about other people's problems solve their problems, show them how something they could do would make their life easier. So they got buy-in. And then the bit that I struggled with, but is what landed me the job, was realizing I had to then tack on the end of that solving problems for them. And by the way, if you'd ever like my help with this, I'd love to talk. Because they don't open the, they don't realize you're looking for an opportunity if you don't tell them that, right? That's Suddenly, true. Yes. the doors opened. 
and I became trusted ally uh, for lots of people. And yeah, I landed my first executive role that was created for me. By the way, 80% of jobs are not advertised. Basically, the majority of the ones that are not advertised are senior leadership roles. So you need to be networking. And that that is how I landed the job at the age of 34. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question, actually. One I probably haven't asked any of my previous guests. So in terms of career highlight, have you got any idea what your next career highlight is likely to be? Honestly, it, it's going to be something around my business changing the world. I now, I, I'm, I love running my own business. I love having the impact on the women I work with, changing their lives and allowing them to change lives as well. And, and ultimately, I think the next career highlight for me is going to be seeing thousands of women change the world. And I've had the opportunity to just give them a little bit of a step up, be part of their story. That to me is everything to me. Yeah, very good. Okay. And what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT? Honestly, the IT technology more broadly as well is the is both is is really the solution for all the problems the human race faces today right whether you're talking about climate change covid uh everything that we're facing technology is the solution the fact we can do this podcast is because of technology i work I work with people who work in almost every industry but at their forefront it's it's tech that they do and I, I just, that is just so exciting. And as long as we channel our innovations in the right direction, we can, we can turn around what is right now for a lot of people looking like a fairly pessimistic situation. And I'm so excited to be part of that in my own little way, to be part of the revolution that's going to make everything better. And I do believe, I'm an optimist, I do believe we can make it better as long as we get on with it. Good. Excellent. I'm glad to hear an optimist. That's a good thing, definitely. (laughs) Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready Mm -hmm. for this? Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) So what first attracted you to a career in IT? It was accidental. I realized from my PhD in physics, I needed to use supercomputers. And by the end of my PhD, I realized I liked the brain ache. I actually said this in my job interview. I like the brain ache of thinking and designing in parallel more than I like plotting plots from physics experiments. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Choose your battles. You can't fix them all. So choose which ones really matter. Yes, that's true. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Oh, I've already hinted at this one. You can't afford to say no. Say yes to everything until you have a reputation. Yes, that that tends not to work. (laughs) Definitely not. Yes. And if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? Honestly, I think I'd still go into supercomputing. Uh, I'd make sure I was working on things that were more impact focused. I didn't. I felt too removed from the impact of what supercomputing can do for the human race, but. Yeah, supercomputing is just such an awesome industry. It touches every human being on the planet, although they don't realize it. Uh, so I think I'd probably still go down that route. And it's also right. always evolving. Like it, the whole definition of supercomputing is it's at the forefront of computing. And I just love that. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? 
Well, there is that crazy goal of 2,000 women in the boardroom in the next five yep. years. It's actually now within three years, it's getting scarily close. Uh, it's definitely a stretch <laughs> goal. Um, and so right now I'm developing programs that allow me to scale my impact because I can't do that all with one-on-ones. Uh, so yeah, lots of programs coming down the line to really elevate more people. Actually, not just women as well, like just open doors for more people that deserve to have a seat at the table. Yeah. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? The ability to read the room. We work with human beings. You can't do that if you don't know how they function. They're not robots. Yeah. So do you focus on body language? It's all sorts of things. It's body language. It's understanding their personality by just speaking to them for five minutes. Um, What makes them tick? You know, basically understanding how they think so you can influence them to see what you're trying to get at rather than hitting a wall because they don't understand what you're trying to say. Yes, that's a very good point. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Oh, this is a good one. I get uncomfortable every single week. It goes back to what I said at the beginning that if you're not growing, you're shrinking. Um, I have a mantra I tell all my clients, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where the magic happens. And if I have a week where I haven't felt uncomfortable, I know I'm not growing and I know I'm going to get bored very soon. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I used to say travel. I did a lot of travel, partly because I was being flown around the world as a keynote speaker. um, And so I'd stick holidays on the back of that, which is awesome. Today, honestly, DIY, (laughs) badly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Good. Okay. And and Tony, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? Work on your executive presence and your resilience every day. And because those two things, whatever level of your career you're at, you need them. Like they're not just reserved for management. And the sooner you start to work on them, the easier it is to be able to get your ideas heard, get traction and recover from setbacks. So can you give, maybe give us a bit of an understanding of what you mean by executive presence? Oh, yeah, this is a good one because a lot of people are like, what, what is executive presence? Executive presence is really your ability to walk into a room and get people to listen, trust, and, and move with you. It's your ability to influence the people around you in the most positive way, right? We've all been in a room with a manager who like nobody has any respect for, and we've all been in a room with a manager where people will fall over to try and help this person. The difference there is how you're showing up. Are you trustworthy? Do you have gravitas? Are you clearly communicating? Do you have the ability to think on your feet? And there are lots of small things that go into it, but really it's about reputation and your ability to inspire people. And when you have that, even if you're like the most junior software engineer there is, you're going to spend less time justifying your decisions, having your work checked, and more time getting on and creating the impact and the change and the programs that you want to. Your life is just easier, but you have to work on this. This is not something we wake up with. Nobody has executive presence the day they are born, right? <laughs> you don't yep, finish exactly. university with a degree in executive presence. It's a skill you have to hone and nurture, but the sooner that you do it, the easier the rest of your career will be, I promise you. Yeah, that's very good advice to finish with. And Tony, where can we find out more about you and connect with you? 
You can find me on all the major social media platforms. Of course, find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty much the only Tony Collis on LinkedIn, but I also have a website, tonycollis.com. And if you want any free resources for getting visible, coaching your team so you spend less time managing them and more time getting stuff done, go to tonycollis.com forward slash resources. And there's a whole load of things you can download for free. Fantastic. Tony, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great chatting with you. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.